Welcome back. Uh, we're joined now by sports medicine doctor Jess Flynn. Uh, she is an expert in sports medicine. Over 15 years as a sports physician and really tied into all things NFL. So we want to talk to her about this DeMar Hamlin situation that we all watched unfold in Monday Night Football last night. Uh, Doc Flynn, thanks for joining us. Uh, Arcand and Mego here. Hey, Doc. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I wish it was better circumstances. Absolutely. Uh, so I saw that you tweeted uh, just a, a few hours ago that DeMar Hamlin spent last night in, in the intensive care unit. He remains there today in critical, critical condition in the University of Cincinnati Hospital. Uh, so first of all, critical condition. I mean, that, that sounds like a pretty wide-ranging uh, level of care. For what he suffered mm-hmm. in terms of that cardiac arrest last night, what, what kind of processes or care would you expect him to be undergoing uh, in the intensive care unit right now? Yeah, well, critical condition is a term that we don't really use inside a hospital. It's really more to, to explain to patients and families and the media, you know, how um, a patient's doing. And you're right, it can mean a variety of things. In intensive care, it just means that, um, you know, he's requiring round-the-clock care. And in his case, it, he was intubated, so managing his airway, making sure he has good circulation, things like that. Those are the types of care that you get in the intensive care unit. Um, Doc, last night on your um, on your uh, blog, you wrote that there wasn't enough information really to uh, uh, explain what was happening and that you didn't have enough information and that uh, people shouldn't be speculating. I agree people shouldn't be speculating here. I wonder if uh, today any more information has uh, come to light that can sort of uh, maybe shape a little bit more of a diagnosis from you or, or something else? No, you know, unfortunately not. And I think this is a case where, you know, it's really different when I'm talking about an ankle sprain. I mean, I can see that happen. I can watch the video. I can see what the mechanism is. I can see what happened. But when you talk about things like concussions or, you know, this sort of worst case cardiac arrest, there's there's nothing to watch. There's nothing to talk about. This is, you know, a, a man's life that's, that's really, you know, on the line. And, and anything we talk about would be conjecture. Really, this is where we have to stick to the facts. We know the most recent report, I think, was like at 3 p.m. The team came out and said that he was still in intensive care. He was still in critical condition. And until the team or the family have more updates for us, you know, I, I think we just have to go with what we know. So obviously not speculating here, but... The reports are that he was in cardiac arrest on the field, went into cardiac arrest, that they Mm -hmm. administered the CPR for over nine minutes and then brought out the defibrillator, uh, which they had from the ambulance. What what kind of circumstances cause a 24-year-old extremely healthy, fit professional athlete to go into cardiac arrest the way that we all had to watch last night? It's it's a good question, and luckily, it's it's a very rare event, um, you know. Thankfully, in young athletes, but it does happen, and it happens in every sport. Um, football is not the most common, you know, but we we see it. I think I heard you talking earlier about lacrosse. I also played lacrosse in college, and you know, I'm happy my sons now wear these new souped up chest protectors that have a bigger, you know, place to take impact from balls. Um, from from chest trauma, um, but there are a lot of reasons. In young people, it's oftentimes something genetic or 
um, something structurally that's different in their heart that can cause this to happen. Sometimes it is a blow to the chest, something called commotio cordis, um, where the blow to the chest just happens at the wrong millisecond in the heart cycle, and it can sort of short circuit um, the heart. We don't know which one of these was the cause last night, and I've heard a lot of speculation um, today from even medical people um, in the media, and I, I just think it's important to remember we, we truly just don't know yet. Doctor, are there heart conditions that maybe a person doesn't have in their childhood that sort of develop in their teens and 20s that may go undiagnosed? I mean, we all sort of remember uh, Reggie Lewis back in the 90s, and, you know, we hear about uh, other things like this with young athletes. Is that a, is that a thing that happens? It is. I mean, many of them, again, are genetic, but they may not really cause a problem until athletes get older. Um, but usually there is some sort of genetic, you know, under undertone. So it was already there, but it develops as the athlete gets older, the athletic challenges get more significant, et cetera. That's when you, when you can start to see it. We're talking to sports medicine, Dr. Jess Flynn. So uh, Jess, I'm wondering since you've treated injuries and, and seen so many traumatic injuries in football. You say that this isn't something that is specific to football. Uh, how do you feel like it should be treated in terms of, I guess, the way that people talk about, oh, football is such a violent sport, and isn't this just another horrible injury to be an example of that? You know, I, I'm not saying that, but it's definitely some of the conversation that I've seen out there about this is just another instance of how dangerous this sport is. Yeah, Megan, that's a a good question for me in particular because I have three sons. Um, My 13-year-old son is my middle kid, and he lives and eats and breathes for football. And I always said he would never play football as a sports medicine doctor. I've just seen it. And actually, in my case, it was more like the terrible knee injuries I was seeing um, because of the sport. But, you know, ultimately, I just made the decision for him that it was better for him to play than not play. Um, and the only way that he was allowed to do that was either to be kicker or to have his mom coach. So I've been coaching middle school football for two seasons now. That's how bad he didn't want to be a kicker? (laughs) (laughs) I think that was more suffering than any knee injury could have caused him. But, um, you know, football is is a game where – the, the point of every play is to take the ball carrier down and there's always contact on the line of scrimmage on every single play, right? So you can't say that that's a safe sport, but my kids also ski, my kids also play lacrosse. And I just had to kind of come to terms with and educate myself about the specific risks of each sport, right? And as far as this chest trauma, this is just such a highly unusual and luckily very rare injury to happen. And, you know, I w- I'm not more concerned about my child playing football as far as his risk of having a heart event like this than playing basketball or lacrosse. There's just, you know, the risk is very low, but it's sort of spread throughout the sport. So you mentioned that chest trauma. Are you saying that there is a high likelihood um, that the chest trauma from the hit could be the reason that we saw him go into cardiac arrest? I, kn- I know you mentioned you know, some of these pre-existing yeah. con- conditions. Yeah, so commotio cordis is what you're referring to. And um, no, I'm not. I, I saw the chest trauma. Yes, it's on the list of possibilities, but I would, I would never speculate on that because we just simply don't know. Nothing that we've been told so far or seen so far 
gives us any hint as to the cause. Um, and so unfortunately, it's one of those situations where I want to give you guys comfort. I want to tell you, you know, what's going on, but I just can't. We, we just don't know enough yet. We're talking with Doc Flynn. Doc, what did you think of the way the NFL handled everything last night? I thought the, the, the one thing that gives me the most hope about the situation is that a young, healthy athlete went down and got the best medical care possible for that situation within seconds. Um, the fact that this is something that's drilled, and it's not just at the NFL level. This is even in youth sports. It's drilled regularly. Um, they had everyone and everything they needed right there. They had a, a physician who could manage an airway. And, you know, I don't think that the EMTs, um, quite frankly, get enough recognition for their role in situations like this. You know, if, if someone you know has a cardiac arrest, it's most likely the first person that gets to them is going to be an EMT. And they, they just, they deserve a lot of credit. There's a shortage of EMTs right now. And um, so I just want to take this opportunity to just give them a shout out because we're always talking about the doctors, the nurses, the, you know, the, the team, the, the team uh, medical staff, but the EMTs were right there. They got the athlete off the field as quickly as they safely could. It's a great... Um, and so I think... Sorry, go I ahead, think they Doc. did a great job. Yeah, no, a, no, I'm sorry. I get emotional <laughs> thinking no, about sure. it because these teammates are amazing and I work with them every day and they should know they're appreciated. It's a great point. I think uh, people maybe realized that are not at the games all the time that there is that ambulance under the stands every game for instances like this Uh, we don't often luckily we don't see it on the field that often but for Damar Hamlin um, regardless of what caused this this cardiac arrest event for what he's looking at in terms of a road to recovery what are the kind of different paths that the doctors at the UC Medical Center may be taking in terms of over the next couple of days, the next couple of weeks, what are what are they looking at for top of mind? Well, for any athlete, I mean, any patient in the ICU who's had a cardiac arrest, the main thing is just stability of the the patient's ability to perfuse their tissue, meaning their ability to circulate blood, right? So their heart beating normally, their ability to breathe normally. So that's the first hurdle for every. Um, patient that comes in. And once that happens, then, you know, reassessing and, and just hoping there was no neurologic damage as a result um, of a cardiac arrest. Those are the two big things. And neither are specific to this case. Um, and I, and I, so there could be other things going on that we don't know anything about. Um, again, I would just say we hopefully will get good updates soon. Doc, prior to last night, I feel like the conversation about concussions and certainly uh, Tua Tagovailoa with the Dolphins was really the dominant one when it came to uh, player safety in the NFL. Obviously, that's been overshadowed, but if we could just take a step back to that uh, for a moment, that was a a situation where the league and the players' union both came out and said nothing really uh, triggered the protocol and that you know no one was really at fault. Uh, What did you think about that joint statement, and should should someone like Tua, who's already had two concussions, be on sort of a heightened alert with his uh with his team um yeah so i in that situation again football is a violent sport like i said everyone you know everyone's trying to get to the ball carrier and hit them and and oftentimes that's the quarterback and i don't think any of the athletes want to be pulled off the field for a hit that like it, you know heads hit the turf 
all the time. And there was nothing specific about that one hit. He didn't stand up. He didn't exhibit any signs, apparently, to the spotters. We didn't see anything on the broadcast. I don't think athletes want to be pulled every time they get hit, right? There needs to be, like, a good reason. Otherwise, the game's going to be stopping all the time. And that's I'm not trying to be callous. I'm being realistic and these guys, they want to play football, right? They want to play the game they love. Um, in Tua's case, it still was a matter of, you know, he can take a hit, but if he exhibits symptoms, then that's a reason to evaluate him. And that's some of them have to be self-reported the symptoms. And then the signs are if they're wobbly when they stand up, if they're not making sense, if, you know, they're confused in the huddle, things like that. Um, I think the investigation made a lot of sense, and certainly going forward, he needs to have some real discussions about if he should be going back and when he should be going back to the game of football. Um, Unfortunately, it's a gray area. There's no real guidance for that. Dr. Jess Flynn, thank you so much for joining us and enlightening us with things that are definitely out of our realm, but uh, we love talking to you even under these unfortunate circumstances. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Doc. All right. You can find her at Doc Flynn. That's with two N's NFL on Twitter. Doc Jess Flynn. She has great insights into uh, various injuries that NFL players suffer, unfortunately, but uh, very, very insightful. We're going to trend. When we come back, we're going to talk more about the DeMar Hamlin injury that we saw last night, his current condition what it means for the Bills and in turn what that means for the Patriots going forward looking into the playoffs. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Uh, we're going to get back into the DeMar Hamlin situation here a little bit. It's just one of those stories that transcends sports. I mean, mm. we, get, we get these from time to time, but this one is so major, so unprecedented. You know, I feel like once you see the Wall Street Journal, I mean, no offense to, they have a couple of really good sports writers, but when that's like leading the Wall Street Journal... You're like, all right, this is bigger than the fans, yeah. than the regular football fans. Um, in real time, I will say, in watching it, um, I I know that there's been a ton of criticism of the league about the five-minute warm-up yeah. that we heard about on the broadcast from Joe Buck. suggested by the league. Yes, yeah. that, that we have seen now is tied back directly to the league, and now the league is coming out and saying essentially – uh, I believe it's uh, Troy Vinson, an NFL executive, who said, I- I'm not sure where that came from. That's insensitive. Said that there was no five-minute warm-up suggested. I think it's okay to say that uh, when there's a an emergency situation developing, that you're just m- kind of figuring it out as it goes along. Yeah. And trying to make the best decisions for everyone in the moment as it's happening instead of trying to pretend like you got everything right in hindsight all the time. Yeah, and Troy Vincent should also sort of watch what he says about that because that implies that every single other really bad injury that players had to just keep playing through, even though they didn't know if their teammate was paralyzed or if he'd ever walk again. You know some of the injuries that have happened. They had five minutes, they warmed up, and they went back out there. That wasn't insensitive? Like, you know what I mean? Like, so unless you want to indict yourself in your league for being insensitive every single other time you did the five minute warm up I mean obviously there wasn't a, a, a ambulance on the field but you didn't know that they didn't know what the what the status was going to be a lot of those times and I just think that that's a weird way of putting it like relax no one's no one's saying this was all your fault but if you're going to start you know getting sanctimonious about it you can look back at your own record and uh, see some times where maybe you didn't treat it with the sensitivity it needed exactly you know? so I 
to set the scene in case somehow you missed this in real time or on Twitter or on one of the various shows that have been playing it all day. Uh, so Damar Hamlin gets up after a pretty routine tackle with T Higgins and he just collapses back on his back completely looks completely defenseless. Mm. Doesn't try to brace himself or anything. Uh, you know, players gather around him. Apparently CPR was being administered for over nine minutes. An ambulance comes out onto the field, which unfortunately we've seen before. Uh, we didn't know at the time that CPR was happening, but here's what Joe Buck, who was on the call, uh, was saying basically right after the ambulance was leaving the field. As we said, they've been given five minutes to quote-unquote get ready to go back to playing. That's the word we get from the league and the word we get from down on the field, but nobody's moving. Then when we got the update that within five minutes these players were going to start playing football again, we saw Zach Taylor live walk across the field to Sean McDermott. The players were being told that they would have five minutes to get back ready for play. So players and, were told. I mean, yeah, players were yeah. told. So where did this come from? Like, where did Joe Buck get this information? Andrew Marchand from the New York Post. He actually talked to Troy Aikman today and who was in the booth with Joe Buck on Monday Night Football. And he wrote this. He said the information about the game resuming, Joe Buck said, came from ESPN's rules expert, John Perry, who is in direct communication with the league. NFL uh, executive Troy Vincent later denied the NFL was going to resume the game, but did not say anything in real time. ESPN showed Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow throwing as if he expected the game to continue. Quote, they said they're going to give five minutes of warm up to these players to get ready. Unquote. Joe Buck said via phone. So it sounds like ESPN, they didn't make that up. They didn't just go off of the way right. that these situations have played out before. Oh, there's a horrible head trauma. Oh, there's a questionable spine injury. The ambulance is out. They always take five minutes. This is what's happening. That's not what's happening. That's not what happened. Like you had producers, assumingly, in the booth calling the league to say what is happening here because we're going back and forth between the studio and commercials and trying to fill the air right. and we have nothing we can tell anyone like we have nothing to say so this is what they were given by the league and i just think it's kind of gross and disingenuous that troy vincent is now coming out and saying and hey, we never said that all we cared about is damar is damar getting better yeah We'd never, ever say that, except every that single other wrong? time there was a big, bad injury on the field, and that's exactly what you did. You know, like, it, it, enough. Like, it, especially the NFL. It's one thing to be defensive about a bad situation. Like, there's another thing to start accusing people of being right. insensitive. It's like, do you realize what that makes you look like, NFL, and all the horrible things that you've turned the other way and looked the other way on? Like, you don't get the benefit of the doubt here. There's no way anybody's going to say, well, I'm sure the NFL had the best interest of the player in mind. No one's going to think that. No one ever thinks that because it's never true so you know like before you start before you start getting defensive and accusing people of things just have a little self-awareness you know it's the nfl they're they're not good at this stuff and the thing is it was galling to hear Mm. that on the broadcast to hear oh five minute warm-up you're i mean if you're if at least if you're like me i'm watching that going oh gross they're gonna ask them to go out there and play like while they're crying yeah the quarterbacks are standing next to each other josh allen and joe burrow are standing next to each other just completely color drained from their faces. Their teammates are crying because there's a life and death situation on the field. And it's like, hey, five minutes, fellas. Yeah. Stretch out your hamstrings. By the way, Burrow was throwing. Yeah. Troy Vincent. So before you say, oh, that's ridiculous and so insensitive, what was the quarterback warming up for then? All right, let's go. 
You now, know? on the other hand, I'm equally grossed out by the highfalutin crap on Twitter about like, well, you know, if it wasn't for these coaches and these players standing up against the big bad NFL, they would have been out there playing again. Like, it was I don't a brutal think, night on Twitter. I don't think that any of that is necessarily true. Like, I, I believe that they were following the protocol that they follow for all these traumatic events. And I also believe that as they realized how freaking awful it was and that there's a man who can't breathe on the field and that they had to transport him to the hospital with his family because he's not breathing on his own, that they are probably going to come to the conclusion that the game is not going to go on that night. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm naive. I, I just don't think that it's like it's I don't necessarily think it's a- as some people are holding it up to be. I don't think it's a naive point because as we're all sitting and, and watching this unfold in real time, it's almost like the longer this goes on, like you got to be a real depraved POS to go, okay, let's go. Got my popcorn, got my soda, ready to sit down and watch more football. Like as this is going and you start to realize that things are not normal and things are not okay. And I personally, uh, the first and the second time they went back to Susie Colburn and Adam Schefter in the studio, I'm like, oh, this is very different. Mm. This isn't your typical injury timeout, official timeout, all that stuff. Like they're actively trying to fill time, which is I've never seen before. I've never seen before in really any professional sport. Things get weird. And Scott Van Pelt said something that was interesting. And I think, you know, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman were doing as well as they could. I think everybody on the broadcast did as well as they could. But Scott Van Pelton mentioned that he was getting a different feed of the game um, where he was able to see what a lot of us at home were not able to see, and it's probably what the players were seeing, in that there was sort of a heightened sense of urgency. I don't want to say frantic because that makes it sound like chaotic. Like disorganized. But it's not your typical head injury, neck injury. Like Something was clearly wrong. And I imagine if Scott Van Pelt can see this and Joe Buck and Troy Aikman and the producers can see this, there has to be... I, I, look, I don't know what the, the chain of command is. I don't know what the line of communication is. But you have to imagine that there's a league official on the field. There's somebody in the NFL offices who are watching this, the replay people, whatever, going, um, we need to handle this a little better. Mm. You know, Unfortunately, all we have to do is fill time until we figure out what to do. But it is very peculiar that all this was going on, and yet they still came back with, okay, five minutes, rub some dirt on it, we'll get back out there and play the old pigskin, throw it around. Yeah, I'm not going to crush people for the way that they try to handle this in real time. The NFL has prepared, uh, like we just had Doc Jess Flynn on, and she was talking about the EMTs who are on site and do everything that they can to you know, try to help these players out, and the NFL equips them with that. So there is that. I'm not going to crush them for what happens in real time. It seems like they did everything that they could. Certainly seemed like they saved his life. I will crush people for grandstanding after the fact and for freaking lying about what was happening in real time because that's inexcusable. Let's go to a couple calls here. Uh, This is Ralph in Cranston. Ralph, you're on. Hey, guys. Um, You know, it's funny because this is a horrible situation, and and they did save his life. So, I mean, the EMTs were really good at what they did. But, you know, it's a violent sport. So is hockey. We've seen people get crashed into the boards, neck injuries. I saw the worst one to me ever. Um, I don't think you guys were around for it, but uh, Daryl Stingley was hit, and that was a purposeful hit. I mean, that that was done purposely by a guy who danced over him. Now, Daryl Stingley didn't move a muscle. He laid down. In fact, I think it was an exhibition game. Yeah, it was a preseason you know? game. Yeah. It was a preseason game, and it was high. That the guy who hit him was such a dirty player, and nothing was done. He wasn't even penalized. The pass was thirty feet or so over Stingley's head. Mm-hmm. He hit him, 
He was known for it. His partner, the dooms of death or something they call these guys, and he's dancing over Stingley. He never even went and see Stingley in the hospital. That was a horrible, horrible situation. But I think, and I've been thinking this for a while, that some of these violent hits, there has to be penalties called intent to injure, and they have to make that, and they have to stick with it a little bit. But it still is a violent sport. I mean, there's not much you really can do to stop people from hitting each other as hard as they possibly can. And now, can you say that they don't want to injure them? Well, they're certainly trying to hurt them, I mean, in in certain ways, or stop them. But I think they have to get a little strict with that call. Intent to injure you. you They do. It's targeting. Ralph, they have that. It's called targeting. They do that. You get tossed out of the game in college for it, and it's a uh, personal foul in the game now. And maybe they should be calling more of it, sure. But in this play, Hamlin was the one making the tackle. You know, like it's, it doesn't really apply to this. I'm sorry. Like it doesn't like I hate I, I hate that it happened, but I don't think that, uh, you know, they I don't think that there's any rule that the NFL could have implemented that would have prevented this. Right. Right. I just don't think so. I don't think that he led with the crown of his helmet, which I know they're trying to get that out of the game, too, even if you're a ball carrier. But I don't think that's it didn't in the replay. Every single replay I saw, every single angle, it looked like shoulder to chest. And there's no way you can take that out of the game. It's tough to watch everything that that fell out over the couple hours last night and go well it's just part of part of the game you know when ryan shazier got his injury when he was still playing for the Mm. steelers even then as terrible and as as really tough to watch as that was you could say well that's part of the game he was trying to tackle someone i believe he collided uh with the crown of his helmet and got seriously injured even then you could say okay it's a violent game it happens this was so different, and I'm not, you know, as old as Ralph and Cranston, but even Adam Schefter's like, you know, it's been a very long time since something like this happened. I think it was like 1971 was the last example, way beyond my time. This was not normal. This was not a part-of-the-game football injury, and I, I don't know if it's fair to say that that was the intent that was going on. Well, yeah, and to the point of the intent that the caller brought up, uh, like intending to harm each other, I think if you talk to any NFL player or the vast majority of NFL players, that's not the intent. Like, the intent is to make the play. And making the play oftentimes means tackling a guy, but you want him to get back up. Like, I I think it's an extreme minority of professional athletes, even in a sport as physical as football, that their intent is to go out and make sure that the guy doesn't come back to the game. Like, that's kind of sick. I'm sorry. I, I, it's, maybe it's that's like the game 30 years ago. No, it's not. It's not. That's not what it you know, is. You knock somebody out and you know you, you do a little dance over them. No, th- those days are long over. Look, you get a big hit, you get a big hit. Like that, I get it. Like, not everybody loves that aspect of the game, but you're mm-hmm. not trying to completely lay somebody out for the rest of the game, let alone send them to the freaking hospital. Yeah, Derwin James had that big hit a couple weeks ago, and that was the type of hit that was commonplace, you know, in the early days of the dynasty, in the Eugene Wilson, Ty Law, Lawyer Malloy, those guys all hit receivers like that. They changed the rules of the NFL because the Colts uh, complained so much about the way guys like Law and Malloy hit, and it's just the way it is. And it's a different game now. It's a different sport, and I think that it's for the better that they've done all this. But again, I'm not sure there's a rule you could draw up that would have prevented uh, that Hamlin-Higgins play. I just don't I don't know what you could possibly People do. People want to grasp for that because they want to feel like this can be prevented from happening again right. because they don't want the game to change, and I, I understand that. Like, I, I feel the same way. I don't want the game to change. I don't want the game to to take out the violence of it, the passion of it that makes it fun. I get that. It's just allowing for sometimes this stuff happens. And as medical, as we get more medical information, uh, I thought Doc Jesflin was really great at explaining that, you know, over the coming days, hopefully we'll learn more and we'll understand why this happened. But as you sit here, I don't think you can point to it and say, oh, this was the play. 
this it was T Higgins. I think that that's crazy. Right. It's and that's what makes it so complicated. Is usually like with Jack Tatum and Daryl Stingley, you can say get that guy. That guy shouldn't be playing. Get that type of hit out of the game. You can't say that here. So Bart Scott. Uh, well, Bart Scott. Can't yeah, he he had this to say <laughs> about T Higgins and his involvement in this injury. What exactly did T Higgins do last night to Hamlin? Well, right right before the tackle, he lowers his helmet and he kind of throws his body into his chest. He's standing up because he's thinking he's got to take chase T. Higgins at an angle to make a tackle. So he didn't expect T. Higgins to launch his body back into him. You know, it's one of those things that a lot of times you see it as a linebacker, uh, un- unblocked, you know, un- unengaged um, running back comes through the hole and he knows that contact's coming so he lowers his helmet and you can't get underneath him. So he's able to get into you and your chest is exposed. So they, they, they've taken that out of the game but they don't really regulate it as much as possible. I, I, I expect the league would be a lot more vigilant when it comes to that and using that penalty. Right. Okay. okay. I don't know who he was there with who responded right, but it's not right. Good I mean, point, I don't Bart. know what the hell he's talking about. I agree with everything you said. Unless he followed up with right, that's totally right. I don't even know. I don't know how you respond to that. Yeah. Starting with right. Right. We are all Where was dumber the head after lower? we just listened to you talk. When did he seconds? torpedo himself with his helmet first? Like, I, what are you talking about? I know about? the rule he's talking about, and they are trying well, to get yeah, that out of the game. Well, yeah, but that's not what happened. That's not what happened, no. He didn't, he didn't put his head down and go like uh, Zidane. Remember the uh, soccer player mm-hmm. who headbutted the Italian guy in the <laughs> middle know. of the World Cup? Like, he didn't do that. It was He put his head down, sure, but he led with his shoulder, and it was shoulder to chest. I mean, that's that's football. It's, we call that a Brandon Merriweather form tackle. Right. Leading yeah. with the crown of your helmet. Let's grab a call here. This is Tucker in Gloucester. Tucker, you're on. Hey, everyone. Um, thanks for taking the call. So um, what I just wanted to say is this. Um, last night, I was listening to the game on WEI, Westwood One Simicast. Mm-hmm. And we were, we were I, I was listening through the whole delay. Um until they suspended the game. And, and one of those times, you know, Kurt Warner was talking, and then they took a quick break. And they played an ad from Progressive. And it's the ad that says, uh, talking about, like, memories you don't like. And the memory is, hey, remember when that player on your fantasy team was injured, except they were injured celebrating, not on the play? Okay. And, like... First of all, it was just horrible to do that, to play that ad in this moment where somebody was dying. But the point is, it's a punchline. Injuries in the NFL are a punchline right now. All right. Thanks, Tucker. Uh, in terms of that ad, those ads are pre programmed. So. Can I give I'm you sorry. just a little bit of behind the scenes, behind the glass? Yeah, all that stuff is, is written out <laughs> at least 24, if not 48 hours in advance of the game. That's It's unfortunate. Do you think, you know, after we have this awful moment and Susie Colburn and Adam Schefter are, you know, really emotional and Booger McFarlane is breaking down, like, all right, let's go to a break. No, it sounds bad. I get that, but it's not like they're planning this ahead of time. What, you don't like? BK. (laughs) The optics of it aren't great. That freaking commercial. I understand that, but it's not like this is something that is intentionally done. Like the, the progressive people are like, hey, this is a really great opportunity to capitalize on a tragic moment. No, no, no. It does not happen like that. I promise.
It is. It's unfortunate timing. I get that. It's pre-programmed. The Whopper ads need to be stopped. By the way, I know. I know it's a little bit of a detour. This is a McDonald's station, but the Whopper ads are insane. It's not just the Whopper. It's the chicken, chicken, chicken sandwich. It's nonstop. It's every stream. It's every broadcast. It's haunting. I told you. I I watched the the UFC, and after you know, you have three rounds, and then they have to fill thirty seconds. And after every single, so we're talking about fifteen fights. I'll probably hear this sixty-five times during a fight card. Like I'm numb to it at this point. In fact, I hit the shakes if I don't hear this song too often. (laughs) I mean, I I finally just got over hashtag sorry not sorry every single commercial break, and now we're back to Whopper. What is that one? Hashtag sorry not sorry. You didn't see those ads? Hell no. With Jennifer Coolidge for Old Navy? Oh, Here's my God. Here's a little deer for the deer. Oh, come on. Those were every break of every show Wait. I watched. You I didn't see those? I don't know. because I don't watch The Office. Tis the season four hashtag giving. And then I, she goes, hashtag. See, I don't know if she's doing hashtag. That one that one can be easily ignored. <laughs> oh, I, on no offense, me. like I like White Lotus and everything, but if if she's on an ad, I'm probably just walking out of the room to get something. No, but only. the Whopper Whopper is everywhere. The Whopper. This is the season four. Hashtag giving. Oh, giving is the best. best. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. All right. We're going to do more Damar Hamlin on the other side. Uh, we are also are going to talk about. this is? <laughs> Turn it off. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'd rather have the Whopper Whopper. Uh, <laughs> we're also going to talk about the implications of what's going to happen with the Bills going forward now that this uh, game will not be resumed in week 17. What that means for the Patriots. Because you were supposed to play them on Sunday. We'll be right back. So the whole sports world continues to talk about Damar Hamlin. Uh, remains in critical condition in the ICU at University of Cincinnati Hospital. After Monday Night Football and that awful cardiac arrest situation that we saw. We got this update from the NFL about that game. Uh, after speaking with both teams and NFLPA leadership, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell informed the clubs today that the Bills-Bengals game will not be resumed this week. The NFL has made no decision regarding the possible resumption of the game at a later date. The league has not made any changes to the Week 18 regular season schedule. We will continue to provide additional information as it becomes available. So that's straight from the NFL, a statement that came out today. So no resumption of that game this week, but the Week 18 games right now stand as scheduled. And that, of course, includes the Patriots-Bills game that was that's scheduled for 1 p.m. in five in days. Buffalo. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, whether you, I mean, do you think that game's going to be played? I'll just ask you straight Right up. now I'm saying, I'm thinking no. Right now I'm thinking no, it won't because I, I just, in order for it to be played, I think it would have to be that sort of same test, you know, like that, uh, the soccer player. Once they find out their teammate's okay, and once they find out that he's awake or whatever, you know, then then you say, okay, we're going to go out there, we're going to win it for him. Well, that's still up in the air when he's still in there fighting for his life, which I hope he's not in five days, but I'm assuming that it's going to take a while for him to be to wake up or whatever. It's just, you know, I, I think that that's, uh, that's a lot to ask. And so I would say no. I, I, I think there's a very real possibility Buffalo just forfeits. I think you're right. I mean, look, it depends on, I think a lot of it depends on this, the the uh, condition that he's in. He's intubated right now so yeah. that he can breathe by all reports. He's sedated so that he can be intubated because that's something that your body is naturally going to fight right. to have that tube. And I thought this was interesting. I mean, we both talked about this. Mike Reese, he was on the station across the street 
And he, this was not a news report, but he's tied into the league, obviously, with ESPN. He was talking about Vic Carucci, who's a reporter in Buffalo, and he said something along the lines of the Bills have already, already have a playoff spot locked up, and uh, there is an idea that they might just take the forfeit in the Bengals game and the Patriots game in order to give themselves the space to deal with this as a team, for the players to deal with it in terms of their mental health. We saw the looks on their faces uh, with everything that was unfolding in Monday Night Football. And for them, it is asking a great deal. You know, we talk about the five-minute warm-up or whatever and canceling the game. It's still asking a tremendous amount of these athletes who saw somebody go into cardiac arrest, their their teammate, their brother, their friend, and then ask them to come out on Sunday and play the Patriots. And I... From a Patriots fan perspective, I don't know how you feel about that if you're a Patriots fan. As somebody in the media, I feel like it's the worst way to ever get into the playoffs ever, 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 ever. And there's no way if you're in the Patriots locker room you can feel good about that. Of course, you always want to be in the playoffs. Right. But to come through it this way and to cap off the season that you've had, awful. Yeah, it is. I mean, they can't think of it that way, though. A lot of lot of weird things happen in teams you know, backdoor their way into the playoffs every year. So, I mean, it's true. I mean, this is awful and very, I'd say, bittersweet for everybody in that locker room, even if you didn't know the guy that well. But uh, it's it's not unusual for teams to sort of have a bunch of things happen, maybe not like this, but, you know, dominoes fall in a certain way that gets them in. I, I think the Patriots were probably unlikely to anyway, even if they'd lost to Buffalo, there was a path in, so it wasn't impossible. I think you just sort of have to treat it like that, you know, like we had this uh, random series of events, and now we're in here, and we just got to do our best. I mean, that's all. That's all there is to it. It's a, it's an impossible situation for so many different people. You know, it's just it's. There's no answer. There's no right answer, and I think that uh, what they choose to do is going to come down to what the Bills players and coaches and everybody feel comfortable. And with. I'm wondering, you know, obviously the the players on the Bengals and the players on the Bills were both deeply affected by this as they should be. Yeah, I'm curious if there are players on the other 30 teams that are watch that happen and go. You know what? Maybe I don't know enough about myself physically as I should. Maybe I'm going to be careful. Maybe I'm I I want to know what's going on with me. Do I have some kind of underlying condition that I should be checked or screened mm. for before I decide to step back on a football field? Am I talking to my team doctors? Am I asking questions? How does this happen? Am I susceptible to having this happen? How do I prevent it? It's it's I don't know if this is this feels like an NFL issue now. It's not just Cincinnati, Buffalo, overcoming the trauma that they had to to deal with last night. I think if you're a football player professionally or anything underneath that, you're asking yourself a lot of questions about should I be doing this? Am 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 I capable of taking these hits because up until last night you would I'm sure um Hamlin probably felt very comfortable going out and you know playing professional football. 24 years old, like extremely healthy fit young man no yeah. reason professional athlete no reason he shouldn't be uh we're going to continue to follow this uh hopefully there will be some positive developments as the week goes on but ryan you had a new segment that you wanted to debut here yeah Exciting. i uh, i i think it's it's working um a working title <laughs> oh um, it's working that's what it's called it, it, no no okay. no it's not called that <laughs> say we have ads for that <laughs> do we that's great i'd like to get them in here uh we're gonna call this the almost end of the show okay because we you know we all enjoy the end of the show we get to look back at all the fun we had today but i think the next best thing is the almost end of the show and also because i'm tired of calling it last call i think it's kind of hokey and played out and i would like to change that very soon so what do we have here today for well, almost end of the show 
we did mention a lot of um, the the you know Twitter wasn't the best place to be last night, uh, and you would have learned that very quick if you were Skip Bayless. Uh, <laughs> Skip Bayless tweeted, uh, "Quote." No doubt the NFL is considering postponing the rest of this game, but how this late in the season a game of this magnitude is crucial to the regular season outcome, which suddenly seems so irrelevant. And he got absolutely ripped and lambasted for that comment. You know, Twitter now has this new function where you can see how many people are interacting with your tweets. Like, if I tweet something, I'll get like seven, nine, ten. How many people see it? Yeah. 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 I hate it, by the way. So... Skip Bayless has over 3 million followers. How many people do you think interacted with this tweet last night? How many people do you think saw it? Just a guesstimate. Um, I'm going to guess 40 million. I'd say like 80 million. Uh, you are both way off. 145 million Damn. people Damn. interacted with this tweet tonight. And, and the vast majority of people did not like what Skip had to say. Oh, so, really? They weren't like right on Skip? No, no. <laughs> if they were there, I didn't see this any of those. This meaningless tweet with an ellipse in the middle, which <laughs> suddenly so, seems so irrelevant. So Skip Bayless uh, you know, does a, a television show that I don't watch too much of. And he was without his partner, Shannon Sharp, today. <laughs> the tweet uh, was so bad, Sharp started using his flight Yeah, time. there's some other stuff that might be going on. In, uh, in in their world, but I thought it was an interesting way that uh, Skip Ayla started his program today. Jen, allow me to say up front that I apologize for what we're going to set out to do here today if it offends anyone, because we're, we're going to try to do the show pretty much as we usually do the show. But I'll admit up front... I'm still shook up by what happened last night to DeMar Hamlin. In fact, I'm still wrecked. In fact, I'm not sure I'm capable of doing this show today. But after barely sleeping on it, I decided to give it a try. Maybe I'll fail. Maybe we will fail. But we're going to try. We wrestled through much of the night whether to even do a show today because it felt like in our minds we almost can't win with this because the last thing we want to try to do is come off as insensitive to what this young man is going through in a life or death situation. The last thing we want to do is offend anyone by trying to do what we always do, which is talk about sports. As this show goes on, we're going to try to talk about a little bit of sports. I'm just going to cut it right we're going there. to continue to All talk right. about. Look, if you have to start your show by saying, I'm sorry if us doing the show today offends anyone, yeah. it's, it's a poor place to start. Like, yeah. Skip, I don't think you personally owe me an apology, but if you're trying to walk back the things that a lot of people have problems with, I don't know if that was the best way to do it. Yeah. That you didn't sleep well last night. Maybe, yeah, maybe I, I didn't that sleep well last night. I didn't know what was going to happen with the schedule at the end of the year. Oh, I was up all night worrying about that. Like, skip, relax. <laughs> so there you have it. It's the almost end of the show as we get into the end of the show. And you know what's coming up after us? The, the debut. The of debut of the, the Rich, Rich Keith show. show. Don't miss it. We'll be back tomorrow. Bye.